Welcome to the Smart Business Transformation Podcast number two. Well, great to have you back. In today's episode, we have eight questions to enable a successful transformation. But before we move on to that, I must say how delighted I am about how well received our first episode of this podcast has been. Uh, Without any promotion whatsoever, we've had 17 downloads. We're now listed on iTunes, which means that you can uh, easily listen to this by going to iTunes on your Apple mobile phone or or iPad. We're on Stitcher, which means if you've got an Android mobile phone, you can uh, subscribe to the show there without having to listen to us on the website. And we've got a brand new URL. Yes, it's smartbusinesstransformation.com. Smartbusinesstransformation.com. If you go to there, you'll find all the episodes of this show and the show notes um, and lots of other relevant information on the Mensard website for things that you might like to see. Now, obviously, at the moment, we're still in the soft launch phase of this um, of this podcast, which means we've got a bit of an irregular schedule. We're not promoting it, um, but delighted to have you along uh, listening today. Um, you're lucky to have access to this content ahead of the rest, and I know you'll just bear with us as we polish things and, uh, and gradually get going. Anyway, that's enough. That's enough about the uh, the details about uh, about the podcast in general. Today's show is all about questions to enable a successful transformation. This episode is specifically for people who are leading a transformation and want to ensure that it is successful. Now, you may be wondering. Um, why am I giving you questions and not answers? Um, Well, um, you know, to be honest, there's an awful lot of stuff on the internet these days, and it's always answers to this, top tips for the other. Um, And that's great, and that's just what people want. But I mean, the reality is that the business transformation is a very big, complex and risky subject. And frankly, I think it'd be a bit glib of me to say that uh, these these seven or eight things that you can do and uh, like a silver bullet, all your problems will be solved. And for those of you that know me well, uh, you'll know that I try not to tell people what to do. um, What I try to do is to help people see for themselves what they should be doing because that's a lot more empowering. Um, it also uh, sticks with people for life rather than just for the time that I'm around for. Um, but also it actually leads to a better result because people actually understand their own situation far better than somebody else. So the more they can uh, work it out for themselves, the better it is for the long term. So rather than give you eight answers, a bit like one of those flat pack furnitures uh, that comes in a box where you just unpack it and follow the instructions and voila, you have a fantastic piece of furniture. What I want to do is to ask eight questions to really raise your awareness about the particular business transformation that you're on so that you yourself can actually design the best way to tackle it uh, to create the right outcome. Okay, so... Eight questions. Uh, These are in no particular order, although I think the last one, number eight, is probably the most important because that one's all about you. But let's start at number one. Number one is vision. 
What is the vision for the transformation? I mean, fundamentally, are you portraying a vision that creates a future that matters to people? Uh, Is it compelling? Is it mission critical? How much energy and urgency is around it? Um, Is the vision around avoiding a problem or embracing an opportunity? When you're avoiding a problem, problems are usually urgent. They're usually felt now, so everybody feels it. And everybody can usually buy into solving a problem. The challenge with having a vision that's just about solving a problem is once the problem's gone, energy stops. Um, you know, people, can, people are good at running away from things, but what are they running away towards? You know, just solving problems you know, may make an immediate issue go away, but it rarely actually takes you into a, an exciting place for the future. So, you know, whilst you might get a lot of energy going into avoiding a problem, it's, it's short-term energy just to, just to put a fix in place rather than moving to an um, exciting new future. Okay, so does that mean you should be embracing an opportunity? Well, of course, opportunities are a lot more exciting than problems. Um, so therefore, they can generate much greater drive, but because they're not urgent, because they're not issues that people have right now... Um, it can be difficult to actually maintain effort towards a new opportunity. Uh, You may have heard the the research that says that um, people are much more likely to do something to keep what they already have rather than do something to create a future they haven't yet seen. Um, And that, that plays to that particular point. So that's the first around vision. Number two is what I call be, do, have. That's be, do, have. This is something I learned from Sherlaws, the international business coaching company. Let me explain. You could imagine a young person saying, I want to be a doctor. Once I am a doctor, the things I want to do are to treat sick people and make them better. And once I'm a doctor, I'll have a nice car and maybe a private golf club membership. Be, do, have. Now, compare that with many transformation projects, which quite often go the opposite. They're sort of have, do, be. For example, once we have our new CRM system, our new customer relationship marketing system, we will do, we will treat our customers well and we will be a great customer service company. Can you see that working? No. Um, it completely puts the cart before the horse. It's the tail wagging the dog. You can't expect that a new IT system is going to transform the way that you treat customers. Sure, it's going to help, but you need to put things in the right order. So please think about be, do, have. The third question is about architecture. And by architecture, I mean the layout of things. Now, you might be familiar with the term architecture when it applies to buildings or to town planning. And that's fine, because as you know, some buildings are great to be in and great to work in. Some some towns are fantastic, others are not. It's quite the same with business transformation programs. Okay, so what do I mean? Most business transformations have fundamentally got three things going on. The first is technology. There's usually a new IT system happening somewhere. The second thing is commercial. You're usually trying to create a dramatically improved commercial result, be it 
much better customer experience or much better rate of return for shareholders. And the final element is people. The people within the organisation need to be working together in a different way, using different processes to create a transformed outcome. That's people, commercial and technology. Now, generally, you usually find that the transformation program is either starting on the technology side or the commercial side. You know, you'll quite often hear, we're putting a new CRM, Customer Relationship Marketing System, in. Or putting a new ERP system in, uh, Enterprise Resource Planning. And because we're doing that, there's a whole bunch of other things that are going on across the organisation, impacting people, and we're going to get a much better commercial result. Alternatively, somebody might say, oh, we've got this brand new strategy. We're implementing the new strategy. That's going to require some changes on the technology side. Oh, and by the way, people are going to have to act differently. The point I'm making is that the people side is quite often the last in the chain. And because it's quite often the last in the chain, it tends to be forgotten or pays second fiddle to the rest. Now, that can be an issue because fundamentally it's the people that are actually going to make the difference. And therefore, when you're putting your transformation program together, I recommend you think about the origin of the transformation and how you keep those three things in appropriate balance. So that's the third point, architecture. The fourth question is whether this is a push or a pull type project. And by that, I'm talking about the people. Fundamentally, all projects tend to have a degree of pull about them. They're all about getting people to move in a certain sort of direction. But what you want to do, ideally, is to turn pulling into pushing so those actually involved start to push, start to want, and start to get it to happen by itself. There's this wonderful book by the Heath brothers that talks about transformation being a bit like riding an elephant. You know, if you sit on top of an elephant and you whip it hard enough and you steer it the right way, you can probably get the elephant to go anywhere, but it's really hard work. What you ideally want is for the elephant to know where it wants to go and go that way naturally. And business transformation is quite similar. You know, I like to think about organisations and all the people there. I usually find about 10% of them are very, very keen on the transformation uh, and will do whatever it takes to make it happen. About 10% of the people there will be dead against it and uh, will just resist or just not engage, you know, regardless. It's the 80%, the others, the rest that you need to really work hard on to make sure that they start to move in the right direction rather than the wrong direction. So that's push versus pull. Moving on to number five. This is the coalition. And by that, I mean the coalition of people within the organisation who need to be involved in the right way for the project to succeed. I mean, first of all, do you know who they are? Who actually are all the people you need to have on side doing what to be successful? And do they want it to succeed? You may have heard the expression, what's in it for me, with them. You know, fundamentally, what is in it for them? Why should they want this thing to succeed? I like to try and identify what category that people are in. Are they resistors? Will they just let it happen? Will they support it happen? Or will they actually make it happen? You know, ideally, you want everybody to make it happen. But 
you know, that's being unrealistic. Key people need to make it happen. And by that, they both need to be enthusiastic and keen and believing. But they also need to have the capability to actually do what they need to do. And part of that is their incentives or their KPIs. Fundamentally, is what you're asking them to do aligned with what their job description says? You know, if they are successful, will that enhance them? Will that give them a better outcome? You know, will their boss be um, supportive, be pleased with that outcome? You know, this may seem like a very fundamental point. Um, and I've been into many projects where I've sort of assumed that, of course, they're going to have the right incentives to perform or behave. And quite often I've been, I've been very surprised indeed about how misaligned incentives are. And that can be the root cause of failure of, uh, of some transformation projects. Number six is the delivery model. That means how is this transformation being put together to actually happen? There is an expression that if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go as a team. And that really gets to the heart of transformations. Of course you want to go fast. Of course you want to get lots done. But in reality, you need to take the whole organisation with you. Otherwise, you'll never actually get as far as you need to go. So a combination of far and fast is, is required. And there's two elements that I think it's good to look at. The first is the team that are actually doing it. Are these people existing members of the business who've got the business to keep going while they do the transformation? Or are you setting up a special team on the side that can just focus on building the brave new world whilst the existing people keep on satisfying current customers? And the other element I like to look at is what I call governance. How are decisions being made within the organisation? Are you trying to put things through the existing decision-making forums, which are quite often slow and cumbersome? Or are you having a special thing on the side where special project decisions can be made, uh, unencumbered by the rest of the organisation? Now, of course, I think you can probably see that if you have a special team unconstrained by decision-making from the rest of the organisation, you can go very fast. But... At some stage, that needs to be wrapped back into the rest of the organisation, and that's where the challenges occur. So there's no right or wrong answer to this one. You just need the right balance of new versus existing. Number seven is leadership. Transformation leadership. You need the leaders to be inspiring people to move into new directions, into new places. Inappropriate behaviours need to be called out and dealt with. I've talked positively about what's in it for me. The reality is, in many transformations, there may be nothing in it for some people, so there may not be much excitement for what's being done. It's only through great leadership that these things can be managed. And culture. Organisational culture is very closely related to leadership. It's the sort of way things are done around here. Has the organisation experienced a lot of change? Is it good at dealing with change? Is it bad? I tend to find those organisations that are risk-averse or very keen on detail or procedure or have handled change badly in the past or are not used to change, these are the most challenging environments to conduct a business transformation within. And so now we're at number eight, the final one. 
and it's all about you. So far, I've been talking about business transformations almost in an academic sense. It's a sort of you and them. It's you observing the transformation. You know, a bit like in a museum, you're sort of looking through the glass at something and observing its behaviour, observing the way it's set up. And of course, real life ain't like that. You are part of it. You actually make a huge difference. And the way that you choose to be part of it, the way that you behave, actually directly affects the outcome of the transformation. So what I thought it'd be good to do is just talk about four different ways that I've seen people act in transformations and the pros and cons of each. The first is to be a cheerleader. You know, the sort of people that dress up at sports matches with pom-poms and rah-rahs and uh, make everybody smile and do a bit of a song and dance. It's, you know, it's, it's all good morale-raising stuff, but fundamentally it's very superficial and it la- lacks substance. It's, it's a sort of feel-good thing. The second one is about an evangelist, you know, maybe somebody a bit religious. You know, they've got all the right answers. They've studied everything. Um, that, that, you know, they clearly are believers themselves, but, but they don't always connect very well with people. In fact, they can be a bit intimidating. You almost don't want to, uh, you don't want to, um, to talk to them because they always, in the nicest possible way, have a bit of an argument with you. You know, they always know best. They can always out-argue you, and they just somehow don't quite click. They don't quite empathise with, uh, with where you're at. The third one is a sort of psychologist. This is somebody that really can empathise with you extremely well. They connect, they really understand what's going on for you, and it's great to talk to them. You know, you feel much better, but but fundamentally, where has that got you? Uh, yeah, okay, you get me. You know what we're going on. It is a shame that things are the way they are, but um, how does that help? You know, I, I feel listened to, but but what more? And the final one is a role model. This is somebody who behaves in a way that's just appropriate for the situation. You can look up to them. They actually seem to do what's appropriate you can learn things from them. You can actually be quite inspired by them. This is a very rare person on a transformation project, but they're the ones that ultimately seem to make the biggest difference. So that's cheerleader, evangelist, psychologist and role model. Please do think about your own role on your particular project. So there you have it, eight questions to enable a successful business transformation. Uh, Number one, vision. Number two, be, do, have. Number three, architecture. Fourth, push versus pull. Five, coalition. Six, the delivery model. Seven, leadership and culture. And number eight, it's all about you. Well, thanks for joining us again for this episode. Do check out our show notes at smartbusinesstransformation.com. There you'll find some resources pointing to more detailed information about the subjects we've touched on today. Um, There's also a free self-help questionnaire you can download and fill in to help you with your own project. And you can subscribe to uh, updates going forward. Many thanks for joining us today. Look forward to seeing you back here again soon.